0: So there's a place for seeking out deals and bargains, and there's a place for not. And you are not the place where people should be seeking out bargains.
1: Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Podcast. I'm Lauren Francois, human design, mindset, and money expert. I'm a mom of two, entrepreneur for the past nine years, and six-figure earner. I help you, successful, ambitious women, create more success and wealth with more ease by using my unique approach to get you to think and operate in a way that's in full alignment with who you truly are and what you deeply desire. If you're ready to dig into, understand, and remove the blocks that have been holding you back from catapulting yourself forward, you're in the right place. Let's dig into today's episode. Hello, gorgeous ladies, and welcome back to the Wealthy Woman Podcast. We are getting back into interview season, and I am so excited to be bringing you really, really high-quality guest interviews. So today, I have Abby Parrots with me. Abby is a copywriter with 20 years of experience, you guys, working with some of the biggest brands in the world. Her clients are six and seven figure entrepreneurs. She's passionate about writing hyper-personalized email sequences and sales pages that help people get their courses, services, and products in front of the people who need them most. Her signature approach comes down to building powerful, long-lasting relationships with readers so so that they open every email you send. And she really helps her clients crush their sales goals and never worry about email marketing again, which I think sounds absolutely incredible. So Abby, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I've been excited about this all day long. (laughs) Oh, great. So today we're going to be talking about marketing a high value service to clients. And I know Mm -hmm. this is something when you're really looking to step up to your next level and create that success and wealth that you truly desire, it's raising prices, it's valuing your services. And there's so much that can go into that, especially on the side of mindset. Everything we have to really look at and address when it comes to really valuing ourselves the way that we want to in order to be able to market these high value services. So I know you have some incredible points that you're going to share with us today. So I'm going to hand it over to you and just let you
0: run with it. You may regret that. I talk a lot.
1: (laughs) Well, that's why we have a podcast. That's why we're not on Instagram right. right now. That's right.
0: Yeah. Seriously. I'm not into these whole shorts things. Like that's not for me. I got a lot to say. All right, so yes, you're so right. It, it so much comes down to mindset. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to let people think that, like, okay, well, if I just envision a million dollars, then a million dollars will come to me. Because that's not what we're talking about when we talk about mindset. When we talk about mindset, it's number one, you have to actually believe in the value and the worth of whatever it is that you're selling, whether it's a product, whether it's a service, whatever it is you have to 100% believe in the value that you're delivering to people. If you genuinely think that you don't have a decent product, that it's not worth any money, then why are you selling it? Like, get out, right? Like, don't be here. But if you truly believe in the value in the worth of what you're selling to people, then you should feel an obligation to get it in front of the people who need it. Like, if you have something that can actually help someone and you are being shy or afraid or intimidated or just like, well, I mean, I don't really think it's worth anything. So I'm not going to bother selling it. Like, you are doing a disservice to people right there. And the other piece of mindset is we don't just say, okay, like I'm going to envision people paying me and that will do it. Like, no. I want to make whatever it is, $5,000, $10,000, $20,000 this month. Okay. I believe that that's possible. And I am going to act in accordance with that belief. And the acting in accordance with that belief part, that's like where you show up and do the work. I don't have anything against, I shouldn't say that. I have a little bit against manifestation in the way that it's been, (laughs) in the way that it's been kind of taken and misused by people. Like the, you know, the concept has been misused by people and it's being. Portrayed inaccurately, because again, we don't just sit and and think. I'd really like to have this money. We have to go out and take aligned action that is going to bring that money into our lives. I talk to a lot of people who, at the end of the month, they're like, "Yeah, I didn't do as well as I wanted to this month," or the flip side of that, "Yeah, I did way better than I thought I would this month." And most of the time, whichever way it went. It literally had nothing to do with what the person did. It was let stuff happen to them. So like maybe they had an existing client who needed more work. So they suddenly made twice as much as they thought they were going to, or nobody called them and wanted work so they made way less than they wanted to and they didn't go out and do anything to bring in either of those outcomes they just sit back and let it happen to them i am so against is that coming out at all that i'm against this philosophy <laughs> like i'm i'm very much in favor of you want things to happen, go out and make them happen. Do not sit around and wait for them to happen to you. Go out in the world and make the things happen that you want to see happen. So I agree. um, (laughs) (laughs) We are on the same page. Manifestation (laughs) is a combination of both.
1: It's it's getting your mindset and your thoughts and beliefs and identity in alignment with what you want. But you have to then go out, like you said, and take – Action, And I think that sometime, sometimes we can get stuck in either one, right? So we'll prioritize right. one over the other. I know for me on my business journey for many years, I didn't know about mindset. Like I was completely oblivious to that aspect of it. And it was all about strategy and action. But the mindset piece wasn't in alignment. So I had neglected that part. And then we see the exact opposite where women get you know, their mindset in alignment, but then they don't go out and actually take the action that they need to take in order to create what it is they desire. So it's this beautiful combination of both. And you need both to create the wealth, to create the success.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You really, really do need both. And, and it's so true. Like you'll see people who, it is kind of funny. Like when people are like, um, well, people say I have to charge what I'm worth, and I am worth all of that. Yes, you are. And also you have to earn that worth. Like you if you are brand new and you have absolutely no experience, it doesn't make a lot of sense for you to say, well, i'm on I'm a leading expert in x, y, z because I read a book on it once or I learned a little bit about it and now I'm the best person in the world. I took a course, right? I took somebody <laughs> else's course and now I'm qualified to teach the thing that they teach because I took this one course and I went to their sessions. Not quite how it works. Like I'm all about getting paid well from the beginning of your journey and there's a difference between getting paid well from the beginning of your journey and getting paid as an expert in your field after having accrued you know, a certain amount of success and tried and failed I'm always amused at like anyone, a coach, a service provider, or you know, whatever. Like, who's like, oh yeah, I've I've been successful since day one. I'm like, then I'm not going to hire you because you don't know anything about making mistakes. You, Mm -hmm. what are you going to do the first time you make a mistake? What are you going to do when I make a mistake? You don't know how to coach me past it because you've never (laughs) experienced that by your own admission. So, like, I am all about you are going to make mistakes, you are going to screw things up, you are going to learn from those things, and you are going to move forward. I have. I have five kids. My 17-year-old today apparently backed into a tree, which is an inanimate object, you know, just standing there on the side of the road, whatever. But part of the discussion around this in my house was, okay, well, what what have we learned from this experience, right? And when you're 17 and you've only had a license for you know a month or two, you're gonna back into a tree or two, right? Like, I mean, it was at a low speed. It wasn't that big of a deal. There's a little dent, but it's fine. Like everything moves on, right? but you learn something from that you learn that when you get in a car you have to be paying attention and you have to use your camera and you have to listen when the car is beeping at you there's probably a reason for it and like whatever so you've got to learn these lessons and move forward it doesn't do you any good to always be successful and to always be like well i'm i'm doing this exactly the way i was taught so i'm just going to assume that i'm right and i'm not going to bother I don't know. I'm not gonna bother learning anything. I'm not gonna bother uh taking any kind of lesson away from any stumble that I have. You've gotta, you've gotta be so willing to learn and, and grow on your journey. When kids are learning to walk, they fall down literally all the time, right? Like the first time your kid has ever tried to pull up to standing, they fell down, right? And what do you do as a parent, as a woman? You clap, you cheer, you literally cheer when they fall down. It would never occur to you to say to your kid, Well, clearly you're not cut out for walking. Let's not try that again. And more than that, it never occurs to babies and young children to not try something that they're not good at. They almost expect to fail in the beginning. Like they do stuff and they're so determined and you can see it on their faces. Like this is really hard and I'm just going to keep trying. And somewhere around like age, I don't know, seven or eight, we start to lose some of that if we're not careful. Um so learn from really small children watch the way they just they're so determined to get the thing that they want and they're just not letting anything get in their way keep moving towards that thing like so what so you fell down somebody's cheering for you somewhere and if nobody else is cheer for yourself <laughs> get I agree. up and try I think, again
1: I think that we devalue the lessons we learn and the experience that comes from navigating challenges and I know this Mm -hmm. is something that I struggled with for quite a while is this idea especially as a coach or mentor that like if I wasn't perfect if I wasn't constantly earning more women wouldn't want to work with me right because they hire me to help them create more and eventually I came to understand that no the way that I navigate the challenges that arise On the entrepreneurship journey, which, like you said, there always are going to be, makes me a better mentor. Like that experience that I gained, the lessons that I learned, the way that I navigated is something that I can then use to support other people through that when they're going through it. And I've said the same thing like, I don't want to hire, I have hired mentors who have not been through challenges. And it, it doesn't work because when you inevitably go through a challenge, they don't have anything to contribute. They don't have anything to offer. They don't have any advice to give because they haven't navigated that themselves. And so I think flipping your mindset to challenges are useful challenges make you better challenges make you more relatable challenges make you more valuable because you bring more experience and wisdom and knowledge to the people you're serving in whatever service you are in a question that came up when you were talking that I thought of was what happens when we think or we know our value or what what mm-hmm. advice would you give to someone who's like i know my value but I'm terrified that others won't see my value.
0: Mm -hmm. So I think that it really does start with getting clear on, do you really know your value? Like at the core of it, are you deeply connected to the value that you're bringing? Can you talk about it? If I, you know, if I gave you an open mic and said, talk to me about what you do for half an hour, could you do that? Like, could you get up and tell me why it matters. If you can do that, you're not going to have any problem convincing other people of the value and the worth of what you're doing. It's also really important to actually, and this is a big thing that I think a lot of people miss out on, have conversations with the people you're trying to serve. Like Actually talk to people and not in the sense of like having sales conversations with them. Before you ever start trying to sell a service, you should have a deep, deep understanding of the people you're serving. And one of the ways to get that, like if you aren't, if you're not helping like yourself of three months ago or three years ago or whatever, if you're helping a market that you've never been a part of, you need to do market research. So you need to be having real conversations with people where you are not trying to sell to them, where you are listening a lot more than you're talking, where you are asking open-ended questions and giving people the chance to speak. And you're listening to them really, really closely. And you're hearing what they're saying and you're hearing what they're not saying. And you're not fitting their answers into a script that you wanted to stick to. And you're not trying to like constantly drive them back to what you want them to say, where you're actually hearing what they have to say. So here's an example. Um, I have a student who on paper created a phenomenal service, a phenomenal high-end, high-ticket writing service. Theoretically, it was for a market like a market certainly that could afford this service and you know, had the money to invest in it. And because she didn't ever actually talk to anyone in that world, what she didn't realize is that they literally had no need for it. It's not that they weren't willing to pay for it. They just did not need that service. So she spent months trying to market this thing until she figured out there was literally no alignment. It was just not a thing that they were ever going to spend money on. They were spending money on other things they weren't going to spend money on that. So you can go down that path and you can you know if it you may believe that it has value, it may not have value to the people you want to sell it to, right? So you have to talk to them, you have to have a clear understanding. You have to know you you have to be deeply connected to the value that your service, that your product whatever has and be able to talk about it and you have to have done that research and if you've done that you have now the evidence to back it up. So you shouldn't have any trouble. You should never be in a position where you're having to convince people of its worth. It should be as natural to you as well. I mean, like, obviously you need air if you want to live, right? Like you have to yeah. breathe it. Like it should make that much sense to you. Like, yes, and, like here's the value and it's so clear and I can spell it out for you. And and also it it comes through in like, like every every word that comes out of your mouth is completely grounded. It's not that you're reaching for it up in the air. It's that it's coming from like a soul deep level within you. Mm
1: -hmm. It just comes out. It flows out. You know what you're offering. You know the value because internally you know it and also you've done the research to back it up. Yeah. (laughs) And so when you have that confidence, confidence is huge. When you have that that confidence, it's so much easier (laughs) to just get out there and talk about it. It, Yeah. When you don't have that clarity and confidence, I feel like that is when you
0: hit those roadblocks. Absolutely. When you are, when you're not sure, when you're like, I think this will work. I've never sold this to anyone before. I've never tried this. It's okay to try new things. But we don't start off with a brand new service that we have no idea how it's going to perform. We don't start off selling that at top dollar. We can sell that still, like we can be paid well for it, right? We can be charging somebody premium pricing. But I'm I'm a huge fan of um, you know, honesty, integrity, being really upfront and transparent with people. So if I'm testing out a new service and I'm not sure like what kind of results we're gonna get, or I'm not sure of my own process, I will literally say to people, you know. I'm I'm rolling this out. Here's my hypothesis. Here's what I think is going to happen. And when I prove that, like if things go the way I think they are and we manage to do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to be charging, I'm going to go for easy numbers, right? So I'm going to be charging $10,000 for this. But since you're like my guinea pig here, and I don't know yet, I haven't perfected my own process around this, and I can't speak to results right now, I'm super happy to do this for you for $7,000. I'm not saying I'm going to do it for $100. I'm not saying I'm going to do it for $1,000. I still know the amount of effort that I'm going to be putting into this project, right? But I know that some of the edges may be rough. I may not get it exactly the way I want to. I may wind up hitting it out of the park. Like you may get a massive bargain by booking with me for seven grand, right? Right. And awesome, good on you then for taking that chance. I'm a huge believer in rewarding people who believe in you and support you early on in things. Confidence is, I believe, a transferable skill. Like there are things in your life that you've done without ever having done them before. If you have children, you became a mom without ever having been a mom before. Like that's a thing, you know? And I remember being in the delivery room with my in my first pregnancy and I remember saying to the midwife, I don't think I can do this. And she- <laughs> I mean, she laughed at me. She was like, one, it's a little late for that now. Two, I've never had a woman in this position who didn't say that. And guess what? Y'all walk out of here with babies. Like, there's no turning back at this point. Like, we're moving ahead. So whether you want to or not. So like, you do things all the time that you've never done before. And very few of them actually kill you. Very few of them. So like- you may think you're going to die in the moment. Like you may think this is this is it. This is how it ends. And you push through and you do the things. You can transfer that confidence. You can think, all right, I have already survived these crazy things that I didn't think I would survive. I have done these things. I mean, for anyone who, my heart is with you, Hoover, anyone who's parented multiple teenagers, my God, it is the Lord's work we're doing, people. I so- am not there
1: yet. So I will <laughs> Of young children, but I am just.
0: I think toddlers too. Face. You know, I think toddlers too. There are days when you're like, okay, I didn't, you know, stab anyone in the eye with a fork today. So that's a win, right? Like there. And, and, and on a more serious note, like there, there are times when you're going through really hard stuff in your life. I had a kid, I have five kids, right? So one of my kids had cancer in the past. There was a time when my kid was sick. He's fine now, by the way, when literally, getting out of bed in the morning and like just living through the day that was a massive win right so like at this point having sat in the icu with my kid intubated and sedated and not knowing were we actually going to leave the hospital with this child after that literally nothing scares me like a facebook live not scary sending an email not scary pitching a project to a potential client not scary like in the grand scheme of things, these are just not things that that affect me. Like, okay, somebody says no to me, you're not the first person and you won't be the last, you know? Like, let's just, let's keep it all in perspective. There are things yes. that are actually scary and there are things that we have the privilege of pretending are scary. And like, maybe we should work on that a little. <laughs> so- I love
1: that perspective. I love that perspective. Let's say you have a client and mm-hmm. She knows her value. She's done the research. She's backed it up. She Mm -hmm. she is ready to take that leap into a higher ticket price point. What's next? Like, what Mm -hmm. does your pricing say about you?
0: Your pricing absolutely tells a story about you to other people all the time. There are definitely times when so for example, I, I write things for people, right? Um if I were to tell one of my clients, oh yeah, I can write that sales page, it'll cost you a thousand dollars. If the client is selling a course for around a thousand dollars or maybe even two or three thousand dollars or they're selling something that's even more premium than that, and I say, I'll quote you a thousand dollars for it they're gonna, be taken aback. They're gonna be like, I don't know if your sales page is actually gonna do the job that I need it to do. I don't know if it's gonna be good enough. So there are times when your pricing tells people, I don't really believe that my stuff is very good. I don't really think that this is a big deal. Imagine on the flip side, like if you if you're currently charging, let's say a thousand dollars for whatever it is that you do, imagine the time and attention and effort that you would be able to put into a client who paid you $10,000. dollars—like Just stop for a second and imagine to yourself, what would that look like? If you knew that you were getting paid $10,000 to do that work, how much of yourself could you give to that client? How could you show up differently? Then I really want you to sit for a moment and ask yourself, are you not showing up that way for your clients right now cuz you're probably putting in a lot of that same effort and energy right now you're just not getting paid for it you're probably not like phoning it in for your $1000 clients i'm not trying to say that at all but i'm saying if you knew okay i'm getting paid 10 grand for this like i i can really block out on my calendar you know this deep work time i can really show up as my whole self i can really dig in on this that's awesome. Like your clients would love that. So your pricing tells a story. Your pricing lets people know how you see yourself. When I walk into Target, I reject the things that are like $40 and above, right? If I'm in Target, I want a very specific price point, right? And that's cool cuz there's uh, there's a point to Target. When I walk into Tiffany, I know what I want and I know what I want to spend, right? And I'm not saying like, again, we've all got our own taste, right? So if I walk into Tiffany, number one, I happen to prefer silver to gold. So lucky me. But like if I walk into the gold section at Tiffany and I see that things start at like seven, eight, nine, $10,000, I I know I'm probably not going to get something, but I will happily spend, you know, several hundred to even maybe like, I don't know, $1,500, $2,000 on a silver bracelet or necklace at Tiffany's. I won't spend that at Target. My gosh. I mean, I can run up a receipt at Target, sure, but I don't ever hit like $1500. That's just not a thing. On the flip side, uh my kid had surgery and I went to the world-class expert. It cost $100,000. We paid an enormous amount out of pocket because it was in a different country. My husband and I took off for six weeks with our son and spent six weeks in hotels in a different country away from our other four children, incurred great personal expense. And we did it because we wanted the world-class expert operating on our kid. We definitely did not want like the bargain basement prices. Anytime I drive by a billboard that's like, Lasik on sale, fifty percent off. I'm like, who are these people who are searching for discount codes on Lasik? I'm I, like, no, it's my no. eyes. <laughs> it's my eyes. I need them. I don't have any backups. <laughs> like, what is that? So, like, there there are times when I absolutely want the cheapest. I don't know. Um, I want the cheapest number two pencils I can find for my kids. Right. But I want the best tutors I can find for them. I want, like, the most amazing piano teacher I can get my, I can, you know, pay for. So there's a place for seeking out deals and bargains, and there's a place for not. And you are not the place where people should be seeking out bargains. What you do, the unique value that you bring, your lived experience matters. The insight that you bring, even if you are saying to yourself right now, well, I don't have any great insights. I don't have any. Yes, you do. You're a woman on this earth Yes, you do. Your voice matters. Your heart matters. Your insights matter. Your lived experience matters. It matters an enormous amount. And if you want to start charging more for your work, you're definitely going to have to go through the mindset piece first and get clear on your value and your worth as a human. And it's only then that you can start you know, this whole premium pricing journey. Um, you've got to do that inner work first. It's it's such a critical part. And if you've done that and you understand that you as a human have worth, your work also has worth. The work that you do, you wouldn't be doing it if you didn't care about it. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't care about serving a specific audience. If you weren't trying to grow yourself as a business owner, I have seen by the way again and again. I know many people who when it's all about money, you're also not going to be successful. Like I remember having conversations with several students in the past and they were like, yeah, I don't really care about like the people I'm writing for. I care about me and how much I'm getting paid. And I remember saying to them, that's not going to work. Like you're not going to build the business that you want. And two of them to this day, they maintain that mindset. And to this day, I get messages from them all the time. They're like, I can't break out of these like you know, these $200 gigs. I can't move past $2,000 a month, whatever. And it doesn't surprise me at all. And the third really did the work, really showed up for herself. And the third one really made a point of doing the work on herself, really got connected to what it is about her clients that she cares about, what it is about doing the work that she cares about, and she is now, you know, having these ten and fifteen thousand dollars months on the regular, and that is also not surprising to me. the same way her colleagues are stuck in this two thousand dollars a month slump, and they can't get past that. It makes perfect sense to me that once she did the work she was able to skyrocket her value because it's not just about how much money can I take from people it's about how much value can I deliver it's a small thing but I never talk about high ticket services I always talk about high value services because words matter and it's not about how much money can I charge my clients it's about how much value can I deliver inside of this service
1: Ladies, I need your help and I've got a special opportunity for you if you're willing to take the time to do this for me. I'm doing some market research to get a better understanding of who you My listeners are where you're at in your business and career, what specifically you're struggling with and what your deepest desires are so that I can make sure the content I'm creating for you here is as valuable and useful as it possibly can be. So I've created a short survey for you to complete. To access the survey, all you have to do is scroll down to the show notes and click the link. You'll be redirected to a Google form with questions for you to answer. If you complete this full survey, I will enter your name into a drawing to win a $75 Amazon gift card. Yes, a $75 Amazon gift card as a way to say thank you for helping me with this. The drawing for the gift card will take place on Friday, November 17th, so you must complete the form by Thursday, November 16th to be entered into the drawing. Perfect timing for right before Black Friday, right? Again, all you have to do is click the link in the show notes, complete the full survey by November 16th, and you'll be entered into a drawing to win a $75 Amazon gift card. I appreciate you so much for doing this for me. It is so helpful and it's going to give me such valuable insight into how I can better serve you. Okay, let's get back to the show. It's always an exchange of value, always. And when you care, you show up differently. And when it's just about money, you don't care in the same way. Uh -uh. And Uh -uh. I know – I've gotten caught up in that in the past. I know many women who have gotten caught up in the past in those things because there is such an emphasis these days, especially with an online business or if you're specifically in online mentorship or coaching, there's this constant message being fed to you that you should just be making more and more and more and more. And if you're not making more, you're failing. And so it can get very easy to get caught up in that. And I've shared my journey of going through that recently, deeply. And I, so it's nothing to be ashamed of. I think that we all can get caught up in those things. And, but it does take a lot of deep inner work to kind of pull yourself back and really understand that, Money is amazing, and yet we should be compensated for the value that we provide. But we give money so much power. It is insane how much power we give money. And through my journey, I've really come to realize how neutral money really is. You know, I Mm -hmm. love money. That's why it's called the Wealthy Woman Podcast. And I am never shy about saying that. I love money, but it's not the end all be all. And when it it becomes the end all be all. That's when you're going to start really running into those roadblocks. That's when you're really going to start struggling because you're not connected to those, those deeper reasons why that deeper meaning of why you're doing what you're doing. And money is never going to carry you as far as you want it to. It just is not.
0: (laughs) It's so, you know, and I think it's a really, I think we're living in very interesting times. Um, I think that, for a lot of online business owners, the pandemic was an amazing time. I mean, for my family personally, it was it was fantastic. I mean, like, let's set aside the fact that many, many people all over the world suffered terribly. Like, I understand and honor that. My family personally, we had a great time. My husband, prior to COVID, traveled 175 days of the year. He's a very senior software something analyst blah, blah, international banking. I don't really follow it. Whatever. He used to travel all over the world to banks as they were implementing massive systems and we never saw him. COVID started, he moved back home, I was like, oh, hello, I have a parenting partner. (laughs) And my course business where I teach women how to get started in freelance writing exploded because guess what? Everybody wanted to learn how to work from home, right? So, and then my client business, like writing for clients, everybody needed new messaging. So it was like fantastic. It was like printing money, right? And so in my head, I was like, oh, doubling your growth year over year is totally normal. And for a few years. It was totally normal. And my husband kept saying to me, that's not normal. That's not normal. That's not normal. (laughs) Like it's going to crash at some point. Um, And guess what? He was right. And then I hit this year where I was like, oh, like where I made less money than the year before. And it really affected my self-worth for a while there. And I had to really like stop and say, well, one, this is a normal thing that happens in business. And two, I think a big, for me, a big piece of it is how much money do you really need? You know, um, how, uh, I, I sat down and did the math. Um, I sat down and did the math several years ago, many years ago, really. Um, how much money do I need to have saved in a bank account to never have to work again, to know that for the rest of my life, it's not that I won't work because I love what I do, but that I can absolutely make choices about, yes, no, I don't want to do this. I'm not feeling that, whatever. Um, and the number is 8 million dollars that's a crazy number to say out loud for so many reasons one like wow 8 million dollars and two i no longer say oh my god 8 million dollars that's an unattainable sum like the money mindset work that i've done over the years i'm like yeah 8 million dollars i have a clear path to how i will put away 8 million dollars in savings and i know that you know when i retire which will be significantly earlier than like normal retirement age I know that I'll feel safe, that I'll feel like I can take care of myself, my family, my five children, including one with significant special needs who is going to need financial help for his whole life. Like I know that I can do do, do these things because I have a clear path and the numbers are are real concrete figures. And I'm not just like, you know, like I think a lot of people have a lot of fear around money because they don't look at their actual numbers. They don't face things and they don't confront them. And and they just, you know, you live in this fear of like, well, I have this debt and I don't know how much and I don't know how much it's growing each month and whatever, facing those. And trust me, I've also been the person who carried a lot of debt. Again, I have a kid with special needs and we ran up massive, massive debt when we lived in the US and none of his treatment was covered by health insurance and all of those things. So like, I get it. I know what that living in fear is like. And I really had to do some work on myself to face it and to, and to confront it and then to start moving past it. So
1: Yes. You have to get intimate with your money. If you're going to go on this journey, you have to be so intimate with your money. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second. And I promise it has a point, but one of the things that I thought of was why do you think it is that we automatically associate higher costs with a better service?
0: It's a great question And there usually is a correlation. So we all work on heuristics, right? Like we all work with, I'm going to take my past experience and I'm going to learn from that. And I'm going to take past collective experience and learn from that. So most of the time we're taught that paying more will give us better service. And a lot of the time we experience that ourselves. And when we don't experience that, we get pretty vocal about it. Like you don't hear people saying, man, that... Cashier at McDonald's was rude to me. We kind of expect the cashier at McDonald's to be rude to us, like it's par for the course, right? But if you went into, I don't know, a five-star hotel and got really bad service at the front desk when you were paying $700 a night for a suite, you would be pretty surprised. You would talk about that a lot. It would be unexpected for you. I think that we do expect a higher level of service when we pay more. We don't always get it. And I think that we, as particularly as women service providers, have a real opportunity because having worked with a lot of freelancers and service providers in my own career, I know how bad service can be. And I know that when you... You don't really have to do a lot, but when like you do just slightly more than the bare minimum, people are stunned. I've personally had many, many clients come to me and say, your customer service is stellar. The first time somebody said this, I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, you told me you were going to deliver this stuff on Wednesday and you delivered it on Wednesday. And I was like, Huh that that's not a thing that you're used to. And she was like, no, that's not usually how it goes. Usually on Wednesday, I get a call or on Thursday, I get a call that says, oh yeah, it's going to be late. Like I order as a lazy person, I order my groceries to be delivered to my house because I refuse to leave my house and go to the grocery store. So the grocery store has a window of time that they're supposed to deliver. And the window that I always go for is on Mondays, it's between one and 3 p.m invariably, like I can build it into my schedule at this point, invariably at 3.30, I get a text that says, dear customers, we are running late. No kidding. Really? I figured that out on my own, right? This is why, by the way, I go for the Monday slot because the other days the slot is called for 7 to 9 p.m. and I'm not staying up till 10:30 when they deliver the groceries. Like I'm very old and I need to go to bed early. But so we're so used to bad service, we expect good service when we pay more. We don't always get it, and when we do, like I mean, you can get people to to be incredibly loyal to you if you do give good service. Dumb example. And and I believe too this will demonstrate this you get to choose what you spend your money on. Like don't spend other people's money for them and don't let other people spend your money for you. I don't care about shoes or bags. Yes, I bought a necklace at Tiffany's this year. Like it was very exciting and I went specifically into Tiffany's to buy the necklace, right, but I don't, generally speaking, I don't care about brands. I don't like, none of that matters to me, right? My clothes come from Target. So, but I like when I fly, I fly business class because I fly long haul international flights and I'm not sitting in coach for 11 hours. I'm just not doing it. Um, And usually I'm flying for an actual work purpose and I want to get off the plane and like be a human and be able to go and give the talk that I'm giving or work with the client that I'm working with or whatever. Anyway. All of that to say, I've gotten to experience business class on multiple airlines, and there have been some airlines where the experience has been not what I thought I would get when I paid for business class tickets. And then there's like the new airline that has blown me away is Virgin. And I will now, whenever I'm flying, even if I have to pay a little bit more to fly Virgin, if it's not like ridiculously more than the next one... 'll pay a, I'll pay a couple hundred dollars more to fly with Virgin because I know the experience will be so good. Mm-hmm. and and that's like so they've bought my loyalty by providing really great service. Um, and I'll choose them over a different theoretically similar product, right? from somebody else because sometimes the expensive service doesn't live up to what it's supposed to be.
1: The reason I asked that question is because, I know oftentimes I run into women who provide a great service, like they provide, they have the value, they have the experience, they have the knowledge, and they're struggling with the mindset side of raising their prices, of charging more. And I always say there is someone out there who has less experience, mm-hmm.
0: who does not
1: provide the service you provide, who is charging more than you, because that is oh, just the nature of this industry. So why not you? And I've experienced that before where I've worked with people where I'm like, I can't believe they're charging. Like, I can't believe I paid this much for this. I need to raise my prices because I deliver something that is a much higher quality and value. And so for me, it always comes down to looking at that. So again, you have the background that Abby already talked about. You, You are offering great value. You have the the research, the knowledge, the experience to back it up. We're not talking about, like she said, just going out there and charging an insane amount for something that you've never tried before. (laughs) I think we're past that. But when you're really struggling with that, can I really charge that? Know that someone is out there with less experience, providing less less quality of service that is Mm -hmm. already charging that. So yeah. you might
0: as well. <laughs> yeah, you really might as well. Like, I, I think a great sign is if people are surprised by your pricing, you should probably be charging. Like if you're like, you know, if you're... T- ha- the other thing is we're so sometimes afraid to talk about money. So, oh, I'll like we have the discovery call. I'm like, okay, I'll give you in writing the pricing. Yes, I understand to an extent, but I hate, I hate, I, like it makes me cry when I see women you know, they go through the discovery call and they're so excited about this potential project. And then they write up this whole proposal and then the person comes back and is like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Like this costs way more than I'm willing to spend, right? So you should be having these conversations. Like these numbers should be, you should be upfront about them, right? And if you're saying your price to people, if you're throwing out like, oh, $2,000 and they're like, oh, oh yeah, sure. like, Like that, like you can be charging more. If you are finding that you are booked out, that is obviously like you need to be raising your prices pretty much immediately. And that's the best time and the safest way to raise your prices. If you have a steady stream of inquiries coming in and you are consistently booking at, let's say that, let's say $2,000, right? Great. So you have a steady stream of people. So the next person who comes, we're going to go with $3,000. $3000. And if that person's a no, that's okay. You've got a steady stream of inquiries coming. So, you're going to keep going with this 3000. Somebody's going to say yes and all of a sudden, like it's amazing. The moment somebody does say yes, the validation will flow into your body if it hasn't already. Like it will you'll just be like, "Obviously, for me, making those leaps in my pricing always came about when either I had a project, like somebody pitched me a project that was like I don't know if I really want to do this. That sounds like a lot of work. And (laughs) as a lazy person, I don't like to work that hard, whatever. I say this all the time. I like doing work that's fun and that doesn't feel like work. So that's what I mean when I say I'm a lazy person, right? So when a project feels very hard and heavy and difficult to me, I don't necessarily want to do it, but I don't always want to say no. So sometimes I'll just quote like a crazy price. Like I'll literally double my regular pricing. And if somebody says, yes, I'm immediately like, well, that's the new price now. That's what we're going with. Um, And I remember going from, you know, when I was doing writing email sequences and I started, I mean, I started at like, $1000 for an email sequence the first time I did one for somebody and then quickly made my way up to like 2500 but then the first time that I quoted somebody $5000 cuz I didn't want to do it and she was like, "Oh, yeah, no problem." And I was like, "Damn, right, no problem." <laughs> and so, and so like that became the new pricing and that quickly went whatever, like it went up from there. I'm I'm the service that I currently offer, again, it's a very high like personalized high-end service. It's generally around $12,000 and the people who hire me for that would be really upset if i were charging less. They would they would feel like you're not going to give it the attention it needs, you're not going to be spending the time that this should be taking, you're not going to be putting in the the energy necessary for this work. It would worry them. They would they would hesitate. So yeah, it's the first time that you say those numbers like you will feel and it's normal to feel fear. But the first time somebody says yes, you will feel truly the validation flow into your body and it will just feel so right to you. It's wild. Um, And if you can get to that point of of feeling the validation of that pricing before speaking it into existence, good on you. Like, awesome. That is some amazing grounding work that you've done with yourself. Mm -hmm and
1: watch yourself like you said care more like like when yes. honestly when someone is paying you that much again you show up differently like you're yeah. excited like i'm always when i have someone who pays for my high value service, I am like, I want to go above and beyond for you. I am so excited to get in there and do the work and help you. And I want to over deliver versus Mm -hmm. when you're charging less and you're working with a lot more people, you just can't give it the same care and attention and time that you would when you have less, less clients that you're working for. But right. you're able to really like dig in deep and over deliver, and yeah. I think that's the key.
0: <laughs> it really, you know, and it, 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 here's a true life story. Um, on a Friday, so I have a client who I'm working with on a project, and. I love the client. I I really do. I'm very, very fortunate that I'm in a place in my career where I really can truly choose the clients who I work with. I only work with them when I'm really aligned with their vision and values and all of that. Um, so I have this client and we're working on a big project. And because she's paying me well, I never feel resentful. Certainly not. Like when I see her, you know, I, I'm excited when I see her name. I'm excited when I know we have a call on the calendar. I'm excited when I see like the block of time that I have to work on her stuff um, and and anyway, so on Friday, uh, she had boxed me, and I—I I don't work on Fridays, um, so I was upstairs hanging out with my kids, whatever. And I had some downtime, um, and I played her vox, and it was a question that I could very easily answer, so I did. And we had a little bit of back and forth, and all of a sudden, she says to me, "Wait a minute, you don't work on Fridays." And I said to her, "So first of all, let's let's note several things. One, she." remembered that I don't work on Fridays? How many of your clients remember the days that you don't work, right? But when you only work with a handful of clients and they feel lucky that they're working with you, they know these things. So this suddenly occurred to her. And I said to her, it's okay. I, I heard your, I chose to answer that. Like, it's not your job to uphold my boundary. Correct. My boundary is I don't work on Fridays that's for me. Like if I chose to listen to your message and to reply to it, that's on me. And I don't feel, again, I don't feel at all resentful for doing it. I felt like, I mean, it felt like having a conversation with a friend. It was not a big deal. I didn't have to go and do anything. And when I was at the point in my day where I knew that I couldn't keep going anymore, I said to her, okay, so just to let you know, we're, you know, moving on to the next part of our day now, and I won't be able to get back to you until next week. I felt great about being able to help her out, not leave her hanging over the weekend, give her the answers that she needed. And when I am working on a big project like that, and please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you should allow scope creep into your life and that you should sign up to do extra work, but it really doesn't bother me. When I'm working on a large project for a client, if there's like an extra an extra email's worth of writing or an extra whatever that needs to be done that's going to be very easy for me to do as a part of this package. I don't feel like, oh, I should really be charging you an extra, you know, $500 to do this. I don't feel the need to do that because I'm getting paid really well for the work that I'm doing. It's not causing extra stress on me. It's not like, oh, I have to suddenly rearrange everything. I feel good about doing the work. I get to make decisions from a place of abundance, from a place of generosity. I feel like everybody wins in this situation. So that's I mean that's those are the relationships that I'm looking to create and cultivate in the long term. Mm-hmm. So
1: what mindset shifts did you have to make personally when you were going through this escalation of your prices?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was I had to really get in touch with what's different about me. Like, you know, what what's my unique value proposition? What sets me apart from anybody? There's like 8 million copywriters out there. Um and that's probably not even an overstatement of the number. Like there are a lot of copywriters out there. One I mean, I know specifically that I that I bring some unique perspective in that I'm a mom and I'm a mom of kids with special needs. And I'm a mom who lives abroad, who has bilingual children, who has a whatever. Like, There's lots that I can do in that sense. But there's also the sense of, I've been doing this for the years that I've been doing this. I care very deeply about the clients who I work with. I work with people who, like I said, whose values align with my own. And I care very much about their results. I care about their financial results. And I care about the transformation that they provide to people. So I had to really lean into that. I had to, I mean, it was, you know, we talk about doing the mindset work and some people aren't really, well, what is that exactly? And so for me, it was, it was, it was doing a lot of journaling. It was doing a lot of, one thing that I learned about myself in the beginning of COVID when we were staying home all the time was that when I go on walks and I go on walks most days in my neighborhood, that's actually a thing like i need to do that that's how i process thoughts that's how i do some of my deep thinking and when i took that out of my schedule for a while like i didn't i wasn't having the, that same kind of growth all of a sudden and i had to I had to make a conscious realization that oh this is not like a thing that i do for pleasure this is this is part of you know how i process things In my business and whatever. So if there's a thing that you do like going for walks or some people, for some people, it's the shower. For some people, it's journaling, meditation, whatever it is. That's part of your process. Like that's where doing the mindset work will come in. That's where you'll think about these things. That's where you'll, you'll reflect on these things. So it might be in the beginning, you might feel like affirmations make you feel silly. And if you do them for a few days, a few weeks, whatever, they'll start to feel a lot less silly and they'll start to feel a lot more like, oh, these are beliefs that I hold. A tool that I personally like using is kind of a a staircase of beliefs. So if there's a belief that you don't hold yet, but you want to, saying to yourself, okay, I don't yet believe this thing. I want to believe this. So what's a small step that I can take here down, down low on the staircase that will ultimately help me get to that top step on the staircase and build out the steps of your beliefs and work on, okay, well, right now I can hold on to this belief and I'm going to work next on holding on to the next step. Like for me, that's been a major, it's been, it's been a major way of, of making massive up-level shifts. And it was not that long ago, so like twenty eighteen, right? Um, yeah. So five, six, years, whatever. I, math is not my five. strong. Five. <laughs> five. Thank you. <laughs> twenty eighteen was the first time that I spent five thousand dollars on, like, to join a, a small group program with a, you know, a coach, and I remember feeling sick to my stomach when I made that payment. Like, oh my god! And now. I mean, I'm literally at the point where, like, I'll casually mention to my husband, oh, yeah, I joined a $30,000 program, like, last week. Um, Yeah, it's pretty good, you know? (laughs) Like, it is mind-blowing to me that I do things like that. Mind-blowing. And I do them. And I take the time to acknowledge that it is mind-blowing and that I am doing these things. And I take the time to reflect on, okay, well, how far have I come? When I look at, I have old, you know, WhatsApp messages that I send to my husband where, like, You know, I used to, on the first of the month, I would send him like a wrap up of the previous month. Like, here's how much money I made. And like the ones from five years ago, it's like, okay, so I made $7,000 this month and it felt really good. And I'm on track to make $8,000 next month. And I, those are amazing numbers. Like they meant so much to me that that at the time that I made them and they are still numbers that I celebrate with my own students. And I think that it's incredible. Like the first, in general, the first time that somebody pays you $5 or $25 or $50, huge. Like that's mind-blowingly awesome. And you get to the point where like the first time somebody pays you in full for a $15,000 thing, you're like. Whoa! But the first time it happens is that proof of concept, and then you're like on to the next thing. You're like, well, I want somebody to pay me twenty thousand dollars in a single payment now, you know. Um, and in a sense, you know, you're reaching for that next high. But it's more about like these things are possible, and now that I know they're possible, why shouldn't I want them? Like the moment you know that a twenty or thirty or forty thousand dollar month is possible, why should you not want that every single month? And with that. I think it is important to know, how much money do you really need? Like, if you don't need, if you've created a life where you're like, I don't need to be making more than 15 grand a month and you're doing that, awesome. Like, I'm not saying don't grow, but I'm saying like, don't feel like you need to be making $40,000 a month. If $15,000 a month is meeting all of your needs and then some and keeping you happy and fulfilled, that is phenomenal. That is fantastic. And lean into that and celebrate that like enormously. Mm -hmm. So- I agree. So basically, like, you have to remember that it's a stair step,
1: right? It's all these little steps. We're constantly just taking the next step and the next step and the next step. We're not making these huge leaps that don't feel possible or believable or put your nervous system into complete dysregulation, I think oftentimes we forget that like all these little steps add up over time. And it's only in hindsight when you look back that you're like, wow, like, look how far I've come. This thing that was such a big deal before now feels so normal to me. And I think that's where we get to look at that growth and that progress. You talked about mindset work. And I think Yeah, if you're not familiar with mindset work, the kind of work she's talking about, which most people outside of the service-based industry probably have never even heard of is money mindset. Like, what do I believe about money? What do I believe Mm -hmm. about making money? What do I believe about what it takes to make money? What do I believe about success? What do I believe about what I'm capable of? What do I believe about what I'm worth? That's where we really dig into those things, those things that you've probably never thought about. And you have to do that at every single level. It's not like you do it once and then you're done. It's like you do it once and then you hit the next level and then boom, something comes up and you're like, oh, okay, like I didn't know that was a thing but apparently that's a thing that I get to now work through and then you work through that and you hit the next level and then it's like, okay, now I have all these new beliefs that have popped up that I need to look at and the higher you get, you're gonna notice like it never stops, It's just that new things emerge, like new things that weren't there before because you weren't at that level before or maybe were there before, but you didn't know about them. They emerge and it's just an opportunity for you to really look at them and ask yourself these questions like, You know, sometimes it's helpful to ask where that belief came from. A lot of times money beliefs trace back to our childhood. It's what our parents told us about money, how they were with money. We take these things in subconsciously without realizing it. So sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's just society's beliefs, the things society has told us for decades, for generations that we get to look at. Sometimes it's just our own beliefs about what we're worth. And what our our services are worth. But we get to look at all of those things. And that's the the mindset work. Like that's the deep work she's talking about, where you really are looking at that and asking yourself, hmm, okay, what
0: what's up here?
1: Like what do I have to yeah. look at here? How is this holding me
0: back? And you know, I wrote down a couple of things while you were talking. This question is so important. What what do you believe about money? Because if we ask you, if we put you on the spot right now and say, "What do you what do you think about money?" Most of you will probably say, "Why? I like money. I want to make more money." And if we dig a little deeper and we say, "What do you think about people who have money?" Some very interesting answers will probably come out. Like you'll probably start to say things like, "Well, I mean, I kind of assume, for example, what do you think of billionaires? Well, they're probably bad people, right? Like, if I tell you that I charge twelve thousand dollars, is your first thought like..." hell no girl. Like you are crazy. Nobody's paying you $12,000. Like, when you say, I like money and I want to make more, and you also hold these beliefs of like, well, clearly billionaires are bad people and $12,000 is too much to be charging. These are That's what we call cognitive dissonance. Your brain doesn't like it at all. And it struggles to reconcile those two things. So when you're holding on to beliefs that people who make money, who have money, who charge a lot of money are bad, are, there's something inherently wrong with them. There may be something a little bit evil about them. Your subconscious holds on to that belief and will do its best to sabotage you. So that's where you're going to struggle with raising your prices when you're like, oh, I want to charge $5,000 for this, but that will probably make me feel like a bad person. So I'm going to stick with my safe $1,000.
1: Or need. Have you? I've heard, I've seen this so many times. Well, nobody needs that amount of money. Right, and it, it, right. I'm always like, well, who are you to say what people read? Right. Or you have no idea. You know, like, like, if we're judging what right. other people have, we're never going to create that ourselves, right? Because like, again, it's a negative association. You're not going to create anything that you think is bad or negative right. or that you hate. Like, right. you, your your mind will not let you do it because your mind doesn't believe that you are a bad person or right. that you have any of those qualities. So it's like, if that's what you associate with that, you're not that way. So you're not
0: going there. Like we're right. not going now there. It's, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, some of the rules that I have for students in my programs are like, you don't get to make decisions about other people's money for them. Like, well, who's going to spend that much on this? you don't get to make that decision. Well, I don't think my client can afford this. You don't get to make that decision at all. Like you don't get to choose what other people spend their money on. They get to make that decision. You have no idea how they got their money. You have no idea what their plans are for their money. They get to decide that that's their decision, their choice. Um, And I'll tell you the thing that makes me craziest when I hear when people are like, oh, my ideal client can't afford that. Girlfriend, listen to me. By definition, your ideal client is not only a person who can afford that, is a person who wants to pay you that money. Like that is what ideal client means. So you can decide, (laughs) right? Like you can decide, okay, my ideal client is a person who can only pay this amount of money. Okay. That's fine. If that's the decision you want to make, but like If you want to make a service that somebody who can only pay $400 can afford, great, make a service for that person. But don't tell me that your ideal client can't afford $4,000. Then your ideal client is like, then your service can't be for that person. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Your ideal client has to be able to, because they're ideal. (laughs) Um, That's a big thing. Um, And then another thing that I wrote down is there's a movie, it was on Netflix, um, It's called The Laundromat. Meryl Streep is in it. Antonio Banderas is in it. A couple other people. It's like half documentary, half movie fictionalization of a story. And in the beginning, there's this fantastic scene where Antonio Banderas and somebody else who I don't remember are discussing the evolution of money and credit and like the things that, you know, how money evolved and how credit evolved. And they talked about like, you know, in the beginning, we wanted a way to exchange things like I have a lot of bananas, but I want a cow, right? But maybe like your cow doesn't want to travel this far and maybe you don't like bananas. So we can't make a trade. So we need something to stand in for the bananas and the cow, right? So the evolution of money. And then when they talked about credit, they talked about, okay, so now I'm going to pay you with the promise of bananas from the future. And I have always held on to that definition of money, of credit as bananas from the future. So if you have not seen The Laundromat, I must recommend at least watching the first 10 minutes and watching the scene where they explain money and credit because it is like, in my mind, life-changing and just will make you think about money in a whole new way. Um, And I just think it's important to do that every so often. Um, but yeah, I- examine closely your own beliefs about money and and the the things that like, ask yourself, what was I taught about money? What did my, if you were brought up in a house where you were constantly told we can't afford that, or that's not for people like us, like these are things that you've internalized and you don't even realize it, but it's okay now as an adult to ask yourself, is this belief still serving me? And if it's not, it's okay to say like, and you're not, we we care so much about pleasing our parents and the people who took care of us and the people who reared us. And even if you have a very complex relationship with those people, there's still a part of you that craves their approval. You're allowed to now as an adult say, okay, I'm going to honor these things that they taught me and I'm going to continue to honor and love the people who taught me these things. And I know that they didn't do it with the intention of, of giving me these, you know, these hangups about money or whatever. I'm going to release this belief now. It's not serving me. I'm going to actively choose to hold on to a new belief. And again, when we talk about doing the mindset work, it is literally training your brain to think differently. So it will be wildly unnatural at first. And you'll have to catch yourself. You'll you'll find yourself thinking, well, I can't afford that. And then you'll have to stop and say, I'm choosing not to spend my money on that so that I can spend money on something else or whatever, you know, like, so you have to, constantly work on training yourself and be catching yourself and 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 working on that. And it feels incredibly unnatural at first. And over time, it becomes almost second nature uh, and, and it really pays off. Mm-hmm. So what would, we're going to wrap this up, but I have one last question for you.
1: What do you believe is the main thing in your experience that holds women back from charging more?
0: Internalized misogyny? I don't know. Um, (laughs) I mean, but you have a very complex
1: relationship with money.
0: (laughs) I think so. I mean, I think that there's. I think that we have been taught for so long by the whole world that. that our our work has less worth than the work of let's say men. Um, I think that we've also been taught that we shouldn't value money as much as we should value other things like caring for our families. I think that we've been told that um, that we absolutely have to choose between making a lot of money and having a family or being a good mother, whatever that's supposed to mean. So I think ultimately all of this comes back to we are the thing that holds ourselves back from charging more, right? Um, and and we can decide specifically to reject that and to take steps every day to, to confront the beliefs that we're holding and to work on changing them. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm going to like... I'm going to go with it. I'm going to say it's, it it's, it's not, I, when I say internalized misogyny, I don't mean that we hate ourselves. I mean that like, this is what we've been taught. We've been taught that we are worth less and we have to unlearn that. So I'm, I'm going to say we should work on actively unlearning that.
1: I love that because when we, you know, we then do things that are in alignment with those beliefs. I've mm-hmm. talked to so many women who You know, they defer to their husbands when it comes to money. They defer to their partners. Oh, he handles that. I I don't know a lot about that. I'm like, educate yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. we are smart. We can learn. You have proven this. So this is not like the man's realm anymore. Go out there and ask questions and learn and educate yourself and get yourself in there so you do start to feel comfortable talking about it.
0: And yes, put on a little Megan Trainer in the background and you know <laughs> get your vibe up.
1: <laughs> well, Abby, this conversation has been so incredible, so enlightening. You've given the audience so many things to think about. And I'm just so grateful that you are here and that you took the time to come and chat with us. And I think I said so like 10 times in a row. <laughs> but how can these ladies who are listening, how they how can they connect with you? Where can they find you?
0: I am extremely findable on the internet. I'm at SuccessfulFreelanceMom.com. My name is Abby Parrots and I'm like the only one on the internet with that name. So if you Google pretty much any spelling permutation of that, you're going to ultimately find me I am truly a very findable person and I answer my own email and I'm going to say in an almost timely fashion. So there you (laughs) go. She does have five kids, you guys. (laughs) I do.
1: Well, again, thank you so much. I will include all of Abby's contact info, where you can find her, some resources that she gave me for you in the show notes. So be sure to scroll down there to grab all of those things. Go find Abby on the internet. She is incredible. She has a a membership, right? That's what your society is. It's a membership. Yes, yes. It is a membership
0: for women who are building freelance writing businesses And it's, it's a cool place to hang out. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, again, thank you so much. And you
1: guys, we will talk to you at our next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you absolutely loved what you heard today, had a breakthrough or an aha moment, be sure to share it with me through a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are what help the podcast reach more women who want to create more success and wealth with more ease. If you aren't already following me on social media, be sure to follow me at Lauren underscore Francois for more tips, wisdom, and behind the scenes content. And don't forget to check out the show notes for any links referenced and the current ways we can work together. Thank you so much for being here. And I can't wait to connect in our next episode.